Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 13th episode of Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and joining me is former Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers player, Steve Zakawani. Hi, how are you? Yeah, great. How about you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. So, um, obviously, Seattle Sounders and LA Galaxy played last night, and so that's why I wanted to have you on because you're uh, you know, team analyst and commentator, and I really wanted to have your insight. And also because you you are from, well, yeah, from London, and yeah. you've got a new uh, documentary called Unbreakable Out, and, and you're coaching for um, the high school Bellevue. Yeah. for the boys and so i wanted to, to hear also about how to grow uh u.s soccer and yeah. U.S. podcast <laughs> yeah. um winging it with zakawani yes a lot of things yes <laughs> yes a lot of things yeah busy so um i know the sounders were winless the their last four matches and three at home um yeah. what's your take on what's going on with the sounders i know with marshall um being forced to retire kind of heard that you know, there's not that much leadership uh, on the pitch like there was before. Yeah, I mean, there's um, oof, there's a lot wrong right now with the Seattle Sounders. I Listen, Chad Marshall, for me, is most likely going to go down as the best MLS defender in history. At some point, they're going to name the um, Defender of the Year award after him. Um, fantastic player. But when he retired, the team actually was doing okay. It's the suspension of Roman Torres along with the retirement of Chad Marshall, that it kind of happened suddenly and they've not been able to recover. I mean, um, the team's given up 11 goals in four games. And if there's one thing I know about the Sounders franchise from day one that's always been emphasized is to be good defensively. If you can't win, at least be very hard to beat. And at the moment, that's not happening. They're giving up goals that you normally don't see them give up, like very easy counterattacks, um, crosses into the box where they've just been out-fought and out-challenged, which doesn't really happen. And I think last night's game in particular, for me, in my opinion, is a massive, massive disappointment because for 85 minutes, the Galaxy played with 10 men. 10 men. And if you're playing against 10 men and you're the Seattle Sounders, you have to dominate and show your intent and move the Galaxy about the pitch and create chance after chance. And that never came until the last 10 minutes. In the last 10 minutes you could tell the Sounders had an extra player. Before that, especially in the first half, the Galaxy dominated the first half. And they played pretty much the whole first half with a less player. Extra, the Sounders had an extra player. So I know Brian Schmetzer and the coaching staff and all the players, well, they'll be disappointed. Um, they were lethargic. They were slow in the first half. Second half, it improved slightly. And listen, the last 10 minutes, the Sounders had a lot of chances and should have, could have, would have won the game maybe with some better finishing. But when you take a step back and they fly back to Seattle from California and they look at that game as a whole, 2-2, with an extra player for most of the game, a defender especially that got sent off, um, it's disappointing to not have controlled the game, dominated and... You can say, you know, the Galaxy was at home and you know, they have one of the best players we've seen in this league in Zlatan. I understand that. But the Sounders have Supporter Shield. They have MLS Cup ambitions going into the season and want to be one of the best teams every year. And they didn't show that last night. But to be honest, it's been a very difficult past few weeks. And last night was just another example of a team that's having a hard time finding its way right now. 
Yeah, I completely hear that. I mean, I knew that facing the Sounders wasn't going to be easy, even though we're we're at home. Um, like you said, the Sounders are always climbing up. Um, they they always find their way um, to the top when they're qualifying for playoffs. Like I have no doubts when when yeah. they're playing during the season. Um, you know, for a while there, the Galaxy have been a one man show. Last night, I did notice that they did step it up, even with ten men. Um, against the Sounders, um, you know, to the Galaxy, obviously to the Galaxy's credit, but also knowing that when you play the Sounders, that it is going to be uh, a good game, it's going to be tough. And, um, you know, that cross into the box um, in the yeah. 45th minute went from Legette to Zlatan to give him the header. I mean, that is where the Sounders have to. Yeah. It definitely like stop legit from being able to do that when they're up a man. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. I think um, you know, the, the Galaxy have good players. That's the thing. Um, I've seen enough Galaxy games this year to, to have an idea about the team and um the coach actually, um Shaloto, I've played against him many times. So he was a fantastic player. And I had no doubts he's gonna go on to be a really good coach as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you have a player like Sebastian receiving the ball, a lot of quality, and he wasn't he wasn't closed down. Nobody shut him down. He was able to put in a really good cross. And you know, at this point, if you haven't realized that you give Zlatan any kind of sniff in the 18 yard box, eight, nine times out of ten, that ball's in the back of the net. And that's what happened. He's an absolute beast in the box. And you don't need to give him any help. And the Sounders gave him help by allowing um, Legette to have so much time to get the ball in. But that was an example of the defending that normally somebody would be out to Legette, force him to pass the ball or make it really difficult to get a good cross in. But it was a little bit slow, um, lethargic, as I said. And he was able to hit a pinpoint cross, a fantastic ball, take nothing away from him. And then obviously it was a very good header um, from um, Zlatan. Do you think that Seattle's being able to score um, was because the the Galaxy were down 10 men, or do you think that it was just a really good setup? Uh, no, I think the first goal, if I remember correctly, um, the counter-attack led by Jordan Morris, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Galaxy were caught numbers down. And if they have, you know, I want to say if they have two centre-backs that they started a game with and they're back for, that doesn't happen. But then the red card came from a situation like that where Sounders were able to get in behind. So, no, I think the Sounders have the personnel going forward where they're always, always going to create chances. I mean, we, we've we been watching Raul for over a year now, Luis Diaz, and mm-hmm. it looks like he scores in every game. He just needs one chance he's going to score. Um, Jordan Morris, you know, he's hurt the Galaxy before. He's, he's, speed, yeah. speed. he's really, really quick. You give him a chance to open his legs and run, forget about it. And that's what he did. Um so, no, I think the Sounders offensively, they have, they've, they've actually been okay offensively. It's defensively, not the defenders, but as a team defensively, where it hasn't been where it should be. So, uh, the Sounders scoring, I think I always kind of expect them to score because they have so much quality. Um, Nico Noledero is one of my favorite players um, to watch and one of the best we've ever seen in Rafe Green, maybe a top five player in our franchise history, maybe top three, depending on who you ask. Um, so he's on the pitch. You're going to get chances. As I said, Jordan out wide, he's really quick. Raul Ruiz Diaz can finish um, as well as anybody that we've seen. So them scoring, I think, is always a possibility. The issue right now is the other end of the pitch where if they score two, they seem to be conceding three right now. Yes, absolutely. And... Um... 
it looked to me like Morris was actually playing almost offside a lot. He's on the edge, right on the edge of the, of the <laughs> defender's last shoulder, taking chances. And I like that because the worst thing that can happen is you get caught offside, you come back. But if you time it right, the pass is right, and it comes off like last night, you're not going to catch him. And he ended up, you know, getting all the way into the box. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? We'll never know. It doesn't matter because Harry Ship followed it up, found Raul, one mm-hmm. for the Sounders. But um, no, that's what we want from Jordan. Jordan, and I, I don't like to limit him to just that because I think he's so much more than that at this point. He's not a guy who just waits to run in behind because he's fast. He actually can get involved in the game and do many more things. But there's no denying that's one of his best weapons. It's just his pace. And he, he can outrun anybody pretty much in this league. And once he pushes that touch forward, it's very, very tough to catch him. And the defenders at that point, any kind of contact is going to be a foul pretty much. So, yeah, I like that he plays on the edge. He's waiting to go and kind of towing that line between onside and offside. I think it's good. Thank you. And so, you know, with VAR changing yeah. the game uh, these days, what what is your take on that? I mean, obviously that was, uh, you know, a handball from uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, but yeah. what do you think about that call and the refs calls that night? I mean, even the red card, I'm not sure that it was a red card. Yeah, so I'm still learning exactly what we're supposed to make of VAR. I mean, it's affecting everything from the Champions League, the EPL, um, Bundesliga. I mean, we have it here in MLS. And listen, I think what I'm realizing is that VAR isn't there to re-referee the game. So they're not trying to make the decisions. They're there to help the ref make the right one. So I think the more I understand that it's still the ref's call, the ref says, this is what I think. And then unless he's made a complete howler, a complete mistake, VAR won't overturn that. VAR is there to help him say, look, I know you think you saw something, but there was actually nothing there. That's the wrong call. But in things like handball, the way they're wording it now is if the ball just touches your hand, whether you meant to or not, whether you were intentional or not, if it just hits your hand, it's going to be a handball. It's kind of tough. You know, to, to understand that because when I played, which is now seems like such a long time ago, um, handball was almost like you had to be intentional. You had to, the, the ball had to really hit your hand and it had to be away from your body and you had to swing your arm towards the ball or whatever. If the ball just hit my hand when I played, I would just play on. Um, so VAR is very, it's making the game, I think overall, once we figure out exactly, it's going to be good for the game because you want to get the decisions right. But as we work our way there, it's going to be a new controversy every week. Um, I think you can look at the Dos Santos situation, even the red card to an extent. I mean, it's, he's the last man that Daniel um, steers. And he played here with us in Seattle, so we know him well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, he's the last man. I know that he didn't you know, swing out at Raul and bring him down intentionally, but they they they... The, the, the legs crossed, they collided. He's the last man by the letter of the law. He has to be off. So I think refereeing is a tough job anyway. They are yeah, there to help. But as it's been implemented and we're figuring out exactly what this thing is going to be going forward, there's going to be times when you see situations um, in every game almost now that can go either way. And sometimes VAR is going to work for you. We've seen it in Seattle's favor. And we've been in Seattle where it's gone against us and we say well how is that and it's just kind of hard to figure out right now but long term i'm for it because i think it's going to end up getting more right than wrong well thank you i'm glad for that insight because i know that's been getting a lot of hate lately (laughs) yeah no we need it we need it yeah 
I mean, it's it's been kind of tough too as a Galaxy fan. You know, we've kind of always been the villains of the league, and and everybody loves to hate us. <laughs> oh, I used and to then hate, I used to hate Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you used to more than more than Portland, even though you played for them for a minute. <laughs> I did, I did. My when I played, because I came in the league before there was even the Timbers, like in MLS. Right. So our rivals back then was the Galaxy, and it was because we always somehow ended up facing each other in the playoffs. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, they had such good players. I mean, Landon and David Beckham at the time and Janino and then Robbie Keane came. So we had some great battles. Uh, you know, Landon now is a good friend of mine, but back then I did not like him. I didn't like chasing him. <laughs> uh, he didn't like chasing me and it was good. I, 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 love, I used to love playing against the Galaxy. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's incredible. I'm glad to, to hear about that. I mean, some Galaxy history just like warms my heart and takes us back. The nostalgia <laughs> yeah. of it, you know, and watching yeah. you play like 2009 and 2013 yeah. also. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. was. Uh, I consider, you know, Seattle to this day, like one of our biggest rivalries. Yeah. Um, definitely more than LAFC. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, somebody called it last night Pacific Classico. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like, I like it. that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, I mean, last night's, I mean, look, like I said, I knew it was going to be a physical, intense game, um, a great game. It was, you know, Sounders, like I said, not just the rivalry, but you know that it's going to be an amazing game to watch. And, you know, just just the kind of freak things that kind of happen, um, like that own goal, um, oh. and, then, and then also the PK that the Sounders gave up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the penalty, I think, yeah, not much argument. I think it probably is, um, if I remember correctly, the play. I think it is. Um, I'm not sure. It's Kim Kiki. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. Um, I'm not sure I've seen a crazier on goal in MLS than that. Uh, <laughs> I understand where David was going. He's trying to clean up. I mean, you can look back on hindsight and stay. You, should, you just stay in your goal. Stay your box but if he clears that nine times out of ten, it's not going to hit one of his teammates in the face and go into goal. So um, with hindsight, you can say that. But I think the play he's making, he's trying to make the right play, sweep up the danger, be the last man. And it's just a complete freak accident that it hits your teammate. And not only does it hit them, but it hits them hard enough and in the complete right angle to then roll into an empty net with enough pace that they can't catch it. I mean, I've not seen anything like that. I think the Sounders will say, with some of the chances they had, Jordan at the end and Raul and Silver yeah, they were attacking. On, that they needed, they deserved a goal. But of all the chances for that to be the way they scored, I think was kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, Bingham. I always thought that he's made really great saves, and last night was a perfect yeah. example of that. I mean, the, the Sounders were attacking him left and right, and he made like three big saves. And yeah. I definitely think, you know, you could blame the keeper, like you said, for coming out like that. But, I mean, it's not Shelvick's fault either. You know, our our guy Shelvick has been getting a hard time right. this season, you know, for giveaways. And then what had happened in Atlanta with the own goals, too. So, yeah. um, I mean, do you think that that's like a very specific MLS thing that happens? Or do you think it's just kind of... No, I think, like, it's, just a, I think it's just a football thing. Um, yeah, you see it everywhere, you know. Um, I'm like, I, I, I love the league. I think... The I came into the league in 2009 as a rookie, um, played six seasons. I think the level of the league is so much higher. Um, it's growing. I think the coaching is better. The players are better overall. We have more high-level players. Listen, don't get me wrong. There was very good players that I played against and played with. Oh, the league was really good. But I think as a whole, 
there's just so much more quality now that MLS is at a very, very high level. And um, I think it's always going to have this stigma to some people's mind, you know, it's a retirement league for some people mm-hmm. and this and that. But, like, I don't think Zlatan is here to retire. I think he's here to score goals. And he has, like, 18, 19, 20 goals. That's mm-hmm. great. I mean, you know, Carlos Vela, I think all, having all these great players coming here and playing well when Rooney came and he's done a really good job at DC. Um, no, I think, you know, this league has good and bad things, but every league does. Um, there's a lot of football things. I know already that the own goal for the Galaxy is going to be shared. It's going to go viral and people are going to say, oh, look at MLS, etc. But those same people wouldn't share the same great plays from last night. So I don't really listen to people that just bash on the league for the sake of it because um, that kind of goal can happen anywhere. And, and I've seen it happen at higher levels than MLS, like worse things. So um, there's good and bad in MLS like everywhere, but I will say I think the quality of the league um, just in 10 years uh, is considerably higher um, in so many ways. Would you like to play now if you could? Um, no, I, I get tired watching these guys. No, there's no way. No, <laughs> there's I no way. Tired. No, I had, I had my time. No, I, I, I enjoyed my era. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I think obviously no injury, et cetera. I'm probably mm-hmm. still playing, whether I'd be here or not. I don't know. But um, no, I enjoyed it. I look back on some of the memories that I had. Like I said, I was able to go up against the Galaxy in a couple of playoff series. We played them um, mm-hmm. in the league. I mean, I remember my rookie year, we won in LA. Um, David Beckham got sent off. 10 minutes into the game and we played against 10 men and we actually won that day. And then I remember one of my worst memories in football was losing at home to LA 4-0. So I've had so many ups and downs against those guys, but the memories were great. So no, I wouldn't change it. You know, I played against really good players, really good teams. I had a good run, but for sure, the memories that do stick out to me is just those Seattle Sounders versus Galaxy games. And my good friend, um, Sean Franklin, that I used to go up against all the time. Every time I see Sean, we talk and we laugh about it because um, those battles were just, it was so good. It was so good. Honestly, I, I really, I miss that. I miss competing against really good players. So from that perspective, I think I had a lot of fun playing against some of the players in the league now, but I still was able to go up against some really good players and great teams like the Galaxy. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, he's Zlatan aside, because I mean, he is a one-man show and he's Zlatan, he's yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think the Galaxy do have like the best team that they've had in like the last five years now. I mean, what's your take on, on the Sounders right now? Are they, are they in transition or like you said, they're always doing what they do and, and climbing up the board? Oh, it's really weird. At the start of the season, in the first five games, I would say, the first five games of this season, we were announcing some of the games on TV and the Sounders were playing. For me some of the best football this franchise has ever played. Like, mm-hmm. as a team, there was a clear identity, there was a style, everyone was on form. Jordan Morris, Victor Rodriguez, Raul Ruiz Diaz, and Nico Lodero, that front four, and you had supporting runs from Kelvin Leardam on the right and Brad Smith on the left, and it was unstoppable. Um, they absolutely put Cincinnati, Colorado, Chicago Fire to the sword. Those three teams were put to the sword I mean, the first three games of the season that you couldn't stop the Sounders. Then came a couple of injuries, suspensions, lineup rotations, and they've never been able to get back to that. They've been good moments this season, but I don't think the Sounders have been able to reach the heights we saw early in the season. So I don't think it's a team in transition. I think um, it's a team of good age. Um, mm-hmm. the, the top players are in their prime for the most part, so, so to speak. Um, listen, Chad Marshall retiring suddenly would hurt anyone and throw yeah. anyone's plans off. And I get that. But 
the team actually managed it okay for the most part. The defensive issues have only begun in the last four or five weeks where um, two home games in a row, the team conceded three goals in each game, which never happens at Seattle. Just, we just don't do that here. It's not something we do. Um, our form away from home since day one in 2009, one thing that's always emphasized in this franchise, every single team meeting was we're going to be a very good road team. And the Sounders have been that under Ziggy Schmidt before and even mm-hmm. under Brian Schmidt. So they've been good. And this year, away from home, for the most part, haven't performed anywhere near um, as well as they sometimes have. So I think it's not a team in transition, but it's a team that lost its way. Um, had a really good start to the season. There was talk here in Seattle of, will this be the best Sounders team of all time that we've seen? We actually felt that. We believed that. And it wasn't overreaction. We knew what we were seeing on the pitch. And for whatever reason, and you can say injury suspensions, national team call-ups or some key players, mm-hmm. um, it happens to everyone, but just hasn't returned anywhere near that form. And I think if they had, they would have been solidly, solidly um, in second place after LAFC. I think they were playing that well, but you can't do it for four or five games. It's a very long season. It's 34 games. And right now where the Sounders are, they're in a fight. Um, they're in a tough stretch. They've got Portland away next and Portland's playing very well. And then we see you guys again. So it's like... Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got El Trafico right in between exactly. before we see you guys again. Yeah, that's how the league is. Every game now, every game, every week is going to be tough for everybody. So that's just where we are and the Sounders have to find a way to get it done. I definitely think last night almost felt like a playoff game. Like, I really do feel like we're playoff ready. You guys too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 starts, to, it, it starts to get that way where towards, as the season comes to a close, especially the Western Conference with how tight it is and how yes. close it is. What's some Minnesota sneaking point. in there? <laughs> exactly. And San Jose has been making some noise and Portland yeah. is shining. So no, it, it's tough and every single point makes a difference. So no, these games are going to have that kind of intensity now um, from here on out going forward. Yeah, so I really do feel like that 2-2 two, two score, you know, as, as crazy as it was, I really do feel like that that was a, a pretty good result reflecting how the game went i really felt like the sounders and galaxy i mean i was trying to live tweet that game because that's sort of just what i try to do for mls female and yeah, it's yeah. almost it's almost impossible uh, <laughs> last night because i just couldn't keep up because you know you're you're a bunch of stuff is happening on one side of the pitch and then the next thing you know like the sounders are countering and we're on the other and um yeah, you know yeah. it was it was really hard to keep up with but i i just have to say like with zlatan's criticism of um of mls you know saying that because it 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 doesn't have the relegation like oh, like right. they do um that when you lose it's almost like eh oh well you know at least at right, least you made right. it to the playoffs um but i and and before Zlatan had had said that he was a ferrari among fiats you know um but i like that smesser said we're not fiats <laughs> yeah we, 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 we didn't like that appearance yeah i think somebody asked him but no i actually i i, I, I love Zlatan. I absolutely do. I think when because we've all followed his career, he, he hasn't just come here. He's he's been at the very top in the biggest clubs in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's he's people think Zlatan just talking bad about MLS and this. No, he was doing the same thing at Barcelona, the same thing at Inter. That's Milan. right. He just he, it's not just because he's here. I think he's always talked. He's always been super confident in himself. And the thing I love the most is that he always, always scores. I remember after his debut, I think it was against LAFC, he scored a ridiculous goal. Oh, from my like, gosh. 40 yards out. Yeah. Exactly. And then I remember that night, somebody asked David Beckham about it because they played together at AC Milan, I think, and at Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that goal was good, but you guys didn't see nothing yet. 
And I remember thinking, like, how? That's that's really good. How can he get better? And he actually has. So I yeah. know. I had a hat trick last night. It's, it's ridiculous. He's so, no, when he has criticisms, I think we should listen. I think a lot of his points are valid. I think people are used to him now kind of talking and saying things that get headlines. But a lot of what he says, actually, is really he's, he's making good points. He's making good points. And um, I just think having a player like that in this league, I, I'm enjoying watching him. And, you know, obviously, we... When the Sounders play against him, we hope that he's not having a great day. But (laughs) when the the game's over and you acknowledge the guy who, you know, seems to score every week, no matter what kind of pass you give him, I think you have to acknowledge that he's one of the very best we've seen at MLS. And we're lucky to have him in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And and now, I mean, I know that he's 38 years old and, you know, post-knee surgery. But, I mean, look at the things that he's able to still do. Um, And, you know, coming back from playing after injury, too. Yeah, Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just a, just a couple other things. So what do you think is going to happen when we play in Century League on September 1st? Because it's, it's tough always for us to, to go and play there. Um, Sounders, you know, not just, not just, you know, the pitch and that it's turf, but the, the fans, you know, the atmosphere, it's, it's incredible energy over up there. I mean, you do feel like you are, you are playing abroad when you, when you go and, you know, but you guys are winless right now yeah. at, at yeah. home. So what do you yeah. think? You you snap the streak. Um, Galaxy, you know, as long as they have all their men. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think, um, the, well, the first question I would have would be, is Latang going to play on turf? That's the first question I would have. I know he played. He said this Portland. season, yes. Yeah, I saw him play in Portland earlier this season. So if he comes up, okay, change the, the, the dynamic. Because now mm-hmm. you have a guy who um, anything in and around the 18-yard box, um, he's going to finish it. So the sound is already, you're thinking, okay, we may need a couple of goals in this game. Um, Seattle has always been a better home team than away team, like most teams are. But Seattle's always been a really good home team. The past mm-hmm. couple of weeks, it hasn't gone well. But before that, before the last two defeats at home, um, the Sounders were unbeaten at home going back to September of last year. So... It's a very, very good team at home. I think they're getting healthier and healthier. Guys are coming back. And sometimes when your back's against the wall and you're down, the only way is up. And the Sounders, I think, are kind of reaching that stage where they have to, at some point, turn it around. Because if you lose to Portland this weekend, the Galaxy come to CenturyLink and get a result, you could find yourself on the outside looking in. And this franchise has never, ever missed the playoffs. And... The 2019 team don't want to start that now. There's always a pressure with the Sounders now because of the success we had early on and it's been Mm -hmm. continued by every team every year. You don't want to be the first team to mess up that piece of history. So I think we're going to see a reaction from the Sounders at home. The fans demand a performance. Um, I think we'll see a very good Galaxy performance as well. And it's going to be just like last night was so high. I really think so. Intensity and back and forth. I think we'll see a very similar game. I think we will. I really think we will. But I do think we'll see a better version of the Sounders than we saw last night. The Sounders were not good in the first 45 minutes playing upper man. It was disappointing. I think it won't take the Sounders 45 minutes to wake up. They're going to be ready from the off and we'll see a much better version of the Sounders. And then depending on where the Galaxy are on that day, it could be one of those games that goes back and forth. But I really do see that Seattle won't repeat um, some of the lethargic performance we saw last night. They'll be on their game, and we're gonna we're gonna get the very best version of the Sounders. I'm, I really do think that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna actually fly up and go. <laughs> and oh, be that's there. great! Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. yeah. Um, I not just love supporting Galaxy away, but I know that you know playing it, you know, to see the game in CenturyLink is is yeah. always going to be incredible. And like I said, just just based on last night's game, you know that it's going to be intense and. 
Um, I mean, I think it's going to be definitely a tough one for Galaxy. Um, maybe Pavon will get a goal out there, <laughs> like we've yeah. all been kind of wanting him to. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it could easily, I think, be a, another draw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, just a last thing that I want to co- cover. Um, you know, you, you did play for Arsenal in your youth. So, yeah. what? how did you decide to come to MLS and to play uh, here in the, in the U.S. when, comparing to other leagues, they don't really consider U.S. soccer to be that competitive? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I grew up in London, you know, where, where I am now is my home, and I grew up in the north part of London. I actually grew up in Tottenham, which is mm. Arsenal's biggest rivals, but I was picked up by Arsenal when I was nine years old, so I used to have to walk from Tottenham to get to Arsenal training as a kid wearing the wrong colours, but it's just the way it was for me. <laughs> and I, you know, began to play at a very high level at Arsenal. We travelled the world playing in different showcases and tournaments. We played against the best teams in England every week. So I had a very um, good soccer background from that perspective. Arsene Wenger and I arrived at the club around the same time. So he revolutionised the, t- the club top down from the first team down to the youth academy. And I was very fortunate to be a part of that and a really good training. Um, and then Arsenal released me when I was 14 after five years with the club. And then I kind of lost my love for the game and I bounced around a bit and really should have just gone somewhere else. Because when Arsenal release you, you can still go to like Chelsea or to Tottenham or other really good teams in London. I didn't do that. I kind of lost my love for the game because I really wanted to play not just pro soccer, but pro soccer for Arsenal. And that kind of hit me really hard. And so I spent a couple of years not really dedicating myself to the game. Then I had a serious injury back then as well. Um, it was on a motorcycle this time. It wasn't from, no. from the game I did. And um, that kind of set me back as well. And then if you're 16 years old or 17 years old in England and you're not in the pro system, you're not signed, it's very hard to get in at a high level. So uh, my injury that I had, I had a couple of surgeries on my knee. It took me to about 16, 17. And I kind of missed the window where you maybe should be in an academy system and start signing your contract. So I didn't get one. And at I that see. point... Yeah, I began to travel Europe. Um, I did my. But you had a really good college career. I did, but before I got there, I was trying to get on with a team here in Europe, and it wasn't working. I see. And so the coach of us, this amateur team I was on, said, "Look, um, there's been a bunch of interest in players." on our team from America and we had no idea what the NCAA was I didn't know what college soccer was I had never heard of Ohio or Akron and you know it mm-hmm. ended up being there was a bunch maybe 10 different schools I could have gone to I liked the pitch from Akron I went there and then you know I arrived and it, it, it was great for me you know I, I only did two years in college my freshman year my sophomore year and then mm-hmm. I was drafted um, and, but it, it was an amazing experience and that was in 2007 when I first left London January 2007 to go to Ohio and January 2009 two years on I was moving to Seattle and we're now 2019 10 years on I still have a home in Seattle I still live in Seattle um, <laughs> so I've, I've been in the States for 12 years pretty much you know I still go home to London every now and then but I, I love the States it's been good to me um, I moved over there and so many of my friends and all people I grew up playing with and against have moved over there. I mean, everyone from even someone like Dom Dwyer, you know, Dom's from here. Um, yeah. He's from here. He's from this system. So I talked to Dom and, he, you know, we've had conversations of how he, he went through the USL system and made his way up. Um, there was a guy called Giles Barnes who played for Houston and Vancouver. And Giles and I were roommates at Arsenal when we were nine and ten years old. 
when we traveled. So I've known Giles 20 years and he's, I played against him in MLS. So that was a bit weird. Um, there's so <laughs> many guys I've played with and against. I can name so many that ended up in America. So that stigma that I had growing up where the only thing I knew about MLS was Freddie Adu. That's all I knew. Um, right. It's gone. I think people are understanding that there's really good players, that it's a high level. I enjoyed it so much. You know, I was very fortunate to be part of those early Sounders teams that kind of put Seattle on the map and we were young and we were exciting, we were hungry. We didn't know um, what our ceiling was. We kind of just went out there and played well. We just made a lot of history and the people in Seattle still recognize that and appreciate that. So um, it's made me fall in love with the city. Um, now, even as an analyst, I get to give my opinion on the game. Sometimes it's very hard to criticize your friends when they're not playing well, but you have to. It's mm -hmm. part of my job. Um, so I just enjoy everything about it. So yeah, I kind of ended up in Akron, Ohio, just because it was kind of a last option for me and mm. everything has worked out. And the last thing I'll say about that is I was fortunate to go to college in Ohio because the college coach I had was a gentleman called Caleb Porter, who's coach Portland. He's, coach, yes. he's coaching Columbus Crew right now. But down the road from Akron, Ohio was Columbus Crew. And at that time, their coach was a gentleman called Ziggy Schmidt. And mm -hmm. he would drive up two hours to watch me play at Akron. So when he took the Seattle job, and he knew she wanted to draft me. So that's why I left school early and I was drafted by Ziggy and not the rest is history. Yeah, we all love and miss Ziggy for sure. Yeah, great guy. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, not to harp on Jordan Morris not going overseas um, or staying yeah. over there, but that is part of what people think is that our our players, you know, especially when you're trying to build the U.S. men's national team, like that they should go overseas and, and play um, what do you think about that compared to playing here? Uh, each, yeah, each to their own. It's going to be different for every player. You know, I'm a guy who I think maybe if I didn't have my injuries, the way my career was going, you know, there was going to be certain opportunities in Europe, I probably would have taken it. But mm. I grew up here, I understand the system. Um, Jordan, for him, he was coming out of college. His hometown club came calling. Can I make a jump to the Bundesliga? Maybe I can, but at the same time, Maybe I start my career closer to home. I understand it. So I'm not, yeah, I, I understand what it's like to be in those shoes. The example I always give, and both of these guys are players that I really admire and they're good friends of mine, is one hand is Landon Donovan, the other hand is Clint Dempsey. Um, yes. They did, two, they did it in two different ways. Landon wanted to be in California. He wanted the sunshine. He wanted to w wake up and walk down to the beach. And he's told me that that was important to him. Clint didn't care. Clint wouldn't. Clint would go and play whatever the opportunities were, and he wanted to test himself in Europe. And he went to Fulham. He did really well. He played for Tottenham, so that's what he wanted to do. But I've played with and against both in different settings, and both are top. It doesn't for me. It doesn't take away the kind of players they were. They were top players. Like I have no mm. doubt if Landon wanted to go to Europe and really just go, yeah, he was good, good enough to do that. If Clint Dempsey decided that. He wants to spend his whole career in MLS because he wants to stay close to his family, whatever his reasons were. He still would have been a really great player. So I think everyone's path is different. And um, we have this kind of mentality of just go to Europe, go to Europe. But you have to understand it's people's lives. It's, if Jordan goes to Europe, he has to live there. He has to figure out. He has to understand. Yeah, that's right. He has to be away from home. He has to deal with the time change and not being able to just, you know, lean on his family as easy as before. He has to be the one with a new culture, new teammates. And it's not just playing. It's your whole life. You're still a human being who has to be comfortable and you need it. So, you know, like I said, everyone's personality is different. Myself, yeah, I, I left home at 17 to go to Ohio. I mean, that's crazy when I think about yeah, it. Yeah, it is. But 
that's the way I am. I wanted to do that. Some people wouldn't do that, and I think that's fine as well. So I'm of the opinion that I would love to see a lot more American players test themselves in the highest leagues. So we're talking Spain, we're talking Germany, we're talking mm -hmm. England. Um, Italy's coming back now. I think, yeah, I think it'd be great. But if they choose not to, I think that's okay too. Absolutely. Thank you. And, um, you know, because I read an article from Beasley kind of saying that there's just not enough pressure on our young guys um, for MLS academies. So now that you're a coach for the boys um, in the high school level, what, how do you see that for U.S. soccer development and for the academies? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, high school is one thing. I think the academies is very important because uh, I grew up in an academy here in England and that system, it has to be a pipeline to the pros. And the, the level of coaching in MLS is definitely better than when I played. It's that you definitely see a lot more tactics. You're getting a lot more diversity of coaching, diversity of the minds, different ideas, different styles. I think it's great. And that's trickling down to the academy and now the players will start trickling up. I think it's really good. You know, coaching the high school is a bit different because you're not getting the top, top academy players. But what you do see is that there's a lot of talent in this country. And I've always been of that belief that there is real, real talent in this country. There's some really good players who, if given the chance and given the right coaching, will make it all the way. Um, I like that MLS teams are emphasizing their academies more. We need to. Um, we need to, 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 to train our coaches well, get better coaching, um, give the young and we need coaches who are going to give the young players opportunity. You know, the Seattle Sounders have a player on the roster who was 15 years old. I think he just turned 16. Danny yeah. Lever, who's played a lot of minutes this year, and he's played a lot of minutes because the Sounders Academy prepared him well, and he's really, really good. He deserves it. And I think every club um, has those opportunities to do that because the coaching's better, the players are ready. Um, there's a lot of talent in this country. You know, some people think American players are not ready, and they're not. No, they really are. And I think the coaching is now getting to a level where we're beginning to give these players the tools they need. And we're going to continue to see it. You know, I'm a fan of the U.S. game, the U.S. national team. I have friends on there and I want them to do well. I want to see them do well. But yeah, at the youth level, I just know growing up in England, how high level it was, how competitive it was. That wasn't always the case in the States. I think there was kind of a disconnect where people weren't sure if the best pipeline was college, was it academy, was it... The, I think now you clearly see the academies is where the top talent is coming through. And so we have to nurture that. We have to invest in that and get really good coaching at those levels as well. So keeping former players involved in the game if you can. And if it's not former players, then getting guys who've gone through the right training, got the right credentials, understand the game, and then giving the young players all the tools you need to get to the next level. And I think when you do that, you'll start to see a lot more 16, 17, 18-year-old kids playing at the MLS level and actually make a difference. And it's trending that way. We're starting to see that. So I think it's in a good place. It can always get better. But I think if we're having this conversation in 2029, 20, in 10 years, we'll be way ahead of where we were 10 years ago. And that just like now we are way ahead of where we were 10 years ago in 2009. I completely agree. And what do you think about women's soccer um, developing love that here? The U.S. Love, women. Love it. Love it. So I, I live in Seattle where, you know, we had the rain. Yes, there. you're lucky but you have a team. Yeah, before the rain came, there was a Sounders women. And in 2012, the Sounders women had Hope Solo, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Sydney mm -hmm. LaRue on one team. And I would go to the games. And that's when I first, I didn't discover, but when I first saw Megan Rapino play and I became a fan of Megan. Mm -hmm. like, this is in 2012. I couldn't believe, because she played left mid. I was a left winger. 
and I was literally watching her game and thinking, figuring out why why, why didn't I do that? How come how come I haven't tried that? Come, <laughs> so I be I, I began to think of that's that. That's brilliant. And then I shared. I played like in pickup games against some of the rain players. And oh. like Jess Fishlock is one of my favorite players. She's a she's from Wales and she plays up here. She's unfortunately injured right now, but she's yeah. really really good. And you know, Megan's Megan knows how big of a fan. I, I say she's my top five favorite players right now. And I said this before the World Cup, and I've said this for years. And she knows that um, I'm a fan of it. I think um, I was I was disappointed this year because the US knocked out England, and I wanted England to vote for the <laughs> because yeah, they were they were a good threat. Yeah, they've improved a lot as well. They, and they've improved a lot as well. But now the US is clearly the dominant team, the powerhouse. And sometimes when all the expectation and pressure is on you, you can fail. And they did it. They, 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 were, they were ready to play. And um, where the game is at, I think what those women are doing for soccer in this, in this country, and not just, not just women's soccer, but I think just in general, um, um, having the U.S. as a leading power in soccer and winning the World Cup back-to-back. I think it's so, so great what they represent culturally and inspiration-wise. I think it's an incredible, just fantastic group of women who conquered the world and then came back and did it again and will be favorites again, I'm sure, in the next World Cup because they're doing things the right way. And like I said, for me, some of those players on that team, um, I've shared a picture of them in different pickup games or charity games. And I watch, you know, I watched almost every World Cup game. Um, I was watching like Norway playing against whoever they were playing. Like, I just watched every game because I enjoyed, mm. I enjoyed the game. It was at a very, very high level. I tried to get down to rain games. Um, I tried to follow the NWSL. I just, I just tried to say it's football for me. For, I, I like football. Yes. I watch every league if I can. And that's just for me, another league that I'm watching. And because I know some of the girls up here in Seattle that play on the team, um, it makes me want to support more, follow more, respect it more. And I think it's, I think it's a really high level. Like I, I would not want to play against Megan Rapinoe, for example, because I'm yeah. kind of scared, yeah, that she's going to do something to me that's going to go viral. So I don't want that. So I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah, she's good. So yeah, and she's not the only one. They've got really great players, but no, I think, you know, congratulations to them for what they did. And um, I think they represent a lot of people's hopes and dreams and the way they go about it, I think is fantastic. Yeah, I think that it's shifting now from talking about, you know, women's soccer and men's soccer, and it's becoming just, like you said, just the game. Yeah. Um, and that, and they're growing it, and they're just trying to get better resources all around. And, and like you said, inspiring the youth. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. No, thank you for having me. This has been great. I always enjoy talking football. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So good luck with everything. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thank you. And enjoy Seattle when you come up in two weeks. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so looking forward to it. You know what's funny, though, is they always say I bring up the sun whenever I go. Cause they... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, they'll, be so, they'll be so happy to hear that. That's great. They will be happy to hear that. Okay, cool. Because I'm like, I want to because I want to get, okay, Pacific Classico here. But like, I want to <laughs> get away from like the sunshine. I want to feel like I'm in Seattle. I'm not asking like necessarily for down rain on me. but <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's so cool. That's great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, guys, uh, thank you for listening, and we're on to the next game. See you.